1: Hey, Alex here, and you're tuned into to the Market Adventures podcast. It is Monday, December 14th, and we're joined by CEO and founder of Heights, the brain supplement company, Dan Murray Serter. Stay tuned. Life can be a challenge. This is particularly true for those seeking financial success. Dan joins us today to not only give us insights into his incredible business success, but to discuss his own battle with mental health along the way. But before we get into the episode, what are some of the key traits that successful investors have in common? Why do some people get wealthy through investing while others don't? Can you learn to develop the skills and traits it takes to become a successful investor and entrepreneur? Well, to find out the answer to all these questions, Consider buying my stock market one-on-one course. If you love the show, you will love this course. As a student, you'll get unlimited access to a two-hour, three-part webinar teaching you how to get started in the stock market immediately. I also give you a personal investing plan template to help you design your strategy, as well as a number of other educational resources. You can get the full three-part course for just nineteen dollars at Gum.co/slash learn stocks if you order the course for yourself or someone you care about before january 1st i'll personally help you develop your 2021 strategy on a one hour call with me
0: okay my name is dan i am the co-founder of a fantastic brain care company i'm super passionate about called heights as in reach your heights And I'm also the co-founder and host of the UK's top business podcast called Secret Leaders. And other things that I'm fairly well known for is the proud father of two very adorable cats called Archie and Bells, who are probably more Insta-famous than me, in fairness. So that would be my top three highlight and summary of my life, the things that I love to talk about. And share our honest insights on the leadership and entrepreneurship journey. Um, always very brutal about the things I'm learning, and then especially the toll it takes on mental health, and how to create more empathy, understanding, and awareness for uh, mental well-being in general. So, where did you where did you grow up, Dan? Uh, so, I grew up in London. And I've, I've lived here all my life, but, you know, I had uh, a year that I spent abroad and, um, you know, five months of that was in Buenos Aires in Argentina. So I've, um, you know, spent some time away. I went to Nottingham University in the middle of England. Um, but other than that, I'm a Londoner. I'm currently exploring the potential of moving from London to Lisbon, actually, just because I, I fancy some better weather. Um But uh, other than that, I'm a a Londoner through and through.
1: I went to London once for two weeks. And ever since I left, I've been wanting to go back so badly. Castles and it's just a different experience. And two, the, the British accent is my favorite accent on the planet.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, we get a lot, which is um, always really nice because, you know, Britain doesn't have a lot of things going for it at the moment with the embarrassment of Brexit almost as bad of dealing with COVID as America, etc. So, you know, we'll take the accent whenever we're offered it.
1: Well, I'll tell you this, there, there couldn't be a better opportunity to to have the Brexit mess because we had four years of um, another mess that kind of overshadowed yours.
0: Yes, yes you did. Yes you did. That's very true. Yeah, we can always rely we can always rely on America to upstage us, right?
1: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's jump right in. I want you to tell us about your cause you, you mentioned you have, you know, you have your two companies mm-hmm. and then you also do some speaking about, you know, the brain health and other things you're passionate about. Yes. But I would imagine that's not where you started, right? So could you tell us about your first ever business like what what brought you into the workspace
0: well I mean that's you know a very different question to the one you might be wanting but you know the first time I ever worked my dad my dad ran a family business and the first work I ever did was when I was 13 I went to work in his warehouse um and I used to do that every summer so that I could get a proper sense of what it's like um you know he was in fashion manufacturing and I would get a sense of what it's like to really work and bring the stuff to market in a warehouse so you know, I spent quite a few years doing that. Um, and then like the first real, um, I mean, I, I've done quite a few businesses, some some successful, some failed um, in, in the advertising arena because the first industry that I really went into was advertising after uni. Um, but the first proper business that I went for um, was a company called Grabble. And that was really nicknamed Tinder of fashion. And um, I started that with the same co-founder I've got today, which is Joel. And whilst the business didn't work out, you know, it was a very exciting and and, and um, thrilling ride for us because we became, you know, the number one shopping app in the UK. We were growing really fast, had millions in revenue, millions of customers, um, doing 30,000 new customers every single week. Um, you know, the growth was really exciting and, you know, we grew from, you know, similar age to you, by the way, started at 26. um, And we grew quickly. I mean, the first couple of years really not not very much happened. But then suddenly, you know, everything all happened very fast. So at this time, we were kind of like 28, 29, and, you know, relatively inexperienced to understand how to do, um, how to solve a lot of these challenges. Um, We grew our team to about 50 people. And, you know, it was all very exciting. But, The big lesson that we learned was, you know, the margin was really low in what we were doing. And so in a market where business is booming and, you know, things are going well and people will lend you money cheaply and all of these other things, those businesses don't really matter. That's fine. But actually, for our our situation, things turned around quite quickly. The market became less hot and less people were willing to fund risky businesses. And of course, if you've got a low margin and you've got customer acquisition costs, then you know, your business is in trouble. And that's essentially what happened to us, we ended up realistically, you know, imploding as a business, because we just couldn't, um, we couldn't solve the problems that we were accumulating at the speed we were. So it was disappointing. But um, I absolutely never would take away the experience, because although it, you know, caused me a lot of pain, it was, you know, it's one of those healthy pains in life that you look back on as experience that helped, help you learn important lessons like for example the importance of having a good healthy margin in your business
1: all right so grabble was more um grabble was very uh it was cloud-based right it was an app uh, Yeah, do how exactly. do you, you um how do you handle being able to move from doing something that was strictly software to now creating this Uh, Heights, right? Tell us about Heights and then tell us about the experience of going from software to making a a physical product and creating a supply line to support it.
0: Mm, It's a great question. And a lot of the answer here is, you know, a lot of the really hard stuff is, uh, you know, actually, I'm very lucky to have a very talented and intelligent co-founder who loves and thrives on big, meaty challenges like this. So, you know, the concept or idea of trying to figure out how a supply chain works when you've done a, a digital business is the kind of thing that makes me want to fall asleep and not be very interested. Whereas for him, that's like an incredibly exciting challenge to solve. And so he set about solving it by, you know, tapping into both of our networks, finding advisors, finding other people that have done things like this, asking what does the supply chain actually look like? Where are warehouses? Where are fulfillment centers? What do these things even mean? How do you distribute? What is pick and packing? What like, you know, literally we went into it with as much knowledge of how to do something like this as anyone would if it was their first time running a business. But he really thrives on those kind of challenges. Whereas for me, I thrive on the challenge of, you know, how do you build trust? How do you build community? How do you build brand and storytelling? And so, you know, I set about on um, the journey of, of, of telling a story and building a community along the way. So I was writing a newsletter, I was reading science papers, I was writing a newsletter on what, um so writing a newsletter on what science says is good for your brain building up a bit of an audience spending time with them understanding what their pains were so I was much more focused as it were on you know the customer pain points and what what people would gravitate towards with us from a brand point of view and a commerce point of view whilst Joel was trying to figure out literally how would the overall business work from a logistics point of view and I think this stuff is really important to share because um The luckiest thing, well, I say for me, and I hope he'd say the same, is that we have each other. We've got very different skills, very different things motivate us. He loves a hard challenge. He loves Excel. He loves strategic thinking and complexities, whereas I love thinking about how do people feel? What is emotional to this person? What is the thing? What is the compelling reason why someone would buy our product or trust me as a human being sharing this thing? And those aren't easy questions to solve, like they're just as hard as logistics, supply chain and fulfilment. But the point is he gets energy from, you know, the stuff that gives him energy. And so do I. And there's no interest in the crossover. Like, Joel would not be interested in writing a newsletter. He would not be interested. He doesn't even have social media (laughs) to give you an idea, right? So we just have totally different interests. And I think that's such an important part of a co-founding relationship if you're lucky enough to have someone who um, is proper partner and has complementary skills then it's great and you know uh, on, on my own podcast I've got um, a fantastic business author Jim Collins and um, he said you know you can measure the quality of your life by the quality of your relationships and um, I just think that's such a poignant point um, it, you know if you're able to build up a handful of really meaningful relationships they often have more value to you than having a thousand friends that do very little
1: from successful business ventures to his now wildly successful podcast, Dan has shown us a true value in developing meaningful relationships. We'll be back in just a moment with CEO and founder and host of Secret Leaders Podcast, Dan Murray-Searcher. Stay with us. I'm Miles Cunningham, and you're listening to the Market Adventures podcast. Forget taking loads of different supplements. Say hello to the smart supplement, the 20 essential nutrients for a healthy brain and body. Heights, that's your heights. Easy to take, easy to remember, easy to give your brain and body exactly what they need, and you don't even have to take it with a meal. It was designed by neuroscientists and dietitians because your brain deserves expertise use the code marketadventures that's one word marketadventures at checkout to get ten dollars off so how did you how, how did you and your um business partner how do you guys get to know each other and what made you decide to to go into business together
0: well you know actually we've known each other since we were seven years old at school so how's that um, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. So we're, we're really old friends. The first business, so Gravel was technically the third business we'd worked on together. By that point, we'd already tried and tried and failed one business, tried and succeeded with another one. Quick businesses, by the way, each one of them, the one that failed lasted six months, the one that succeeded, succeeded because we were cash flow positive. Um we decided we weren't going to take it on any further and we'd made enough money that we could both buy deposits for our, our apartments in London. So we were like, you know, it makes lots of sense to just cut our losses and move on to the next thing at this point. So we'd had some experience working together, but again, you know, from a skills point of view, um, we never really said we have to work together, but um, Joel's just not interested in marketing or comms or, you know, very important part of starting a business is reaching customers. Um, but he is very interested in finance strategy, et cetera. So, you know, I was in advertising and he was at PwC, you know, doing an ACA and, you know, doing consulting work on big strategy products. So the reality is like, it's very obvious to us as two lifelong friends that if you combine our skill sets, we would get a lot out of each other, realistically, so that is what's happened and that has been great.
1: Sidebar. I don't know if you show there's a show named Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of it?
0: Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't watched it actually.
1: You, you need to. It's yeah, one, okay. it's 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 hilarious. But also it's it's that same dynamic of coach and athlete, experience, very relationship driven. Um yeah, his, he's the head coach and he's like you, where he is super, it's more dealing with the athlete as a person and communicating and his assistant head coach is very logistics. He doesn't deal with the athletes. He doesn't really have an emotional connection, but he's, he's the brains, but together they've had a lot of success as um, you know, as coaches in, in soccer. How do you, I I was listening to some of your um, talks and you mentioned imposter syndrome, which is my first time ever hearing it. For Mm -hmm. those who don't know what imposter syndrome is, could you explain it to us and also tell us kind of how you dealt with you know moving into this space that you had no prior experience in
0: yeah yeah absolutely so you you're completely right but um not a neuroscientist and my product heights is course. let me start with what the company heights is so come so heights is a brain care company and it comes from this insight of um you know, the amount of money and time and effort, energy, and also the way that we're brought up with rituals and routines as kids to spend time on skincare, care, hair care, oral care, nail care, but not brain care. Right. So, you know, these industries exist with millions of different products and, you know, brands within them. And um, they're all important. But ultimately, we care more about what's on our head than what's in our head. Um, to us, that seemed kind of crazy. And the experience um, that really kickstarted why I started Heights at all was I had uh, quite bad mental health problems um, just in advance of this, or just before this, rather, where I had insomnia and really chronic anxiety. And I spent about six months trying to cure a lot of these feelings. And um, in the end, I went to see a dietitian. And she recommended the supplements, DHA, omega-3, blueberry extract, and B vitamins. And I was very skeptical because I wasn't a supplement taker. But, you know, I'd also had insomnia for six months, and I was pretty desperate to feel better. And within about 10 days, basically, taking this concoction of premium supplements. So, you know, she sent me to Planet Organic, which is one of the expensive health food stores here, and explained to me that normal supplements are actually quite cheap. They're cut with loads of crap. They don't put the right amounts in, and they're legally allowed to do that. So she was very specific about the types I needed to get. Um, and I followed her advice and I took them and they're all potent supplements and ultimately made me feel infinitely better. And I started to sleep again. So, you know, this sort of insight into, oh, my God, I had no idea that nutrition and therefore also supplements, you know, minerals, vitamins could have an impact on your mental health or mental performance. i would never heard of this idea before. And. Um, it got me curious and it got me you know starting to read loads around the topic and I started to read science papers, right? because I'm like you know science will know about this stuff surely. And lo and behold, science papers regularly talked about um, the impact of nutrition and supplementation on our mental health from a whole range of mental health diseases um, and issues short term and long term. Um, and also talked about it from a mental performance point of view right so for people who are perfectly healthy like how to optimize their cognitive performance have more energy more focus more clarity also the importance of nutrition and supplementation but I've never heard of any of this so having this experience to me was a real opportunity where I was like this is you know, It's rare as an entrepreneur to find a space that's had an impact on your life, but also that seems like an enormous opportunity that people are not really aware of yet, because you have a real opportunity, not just to create a brand and a position and a story and all of the exciting things an entrepreneur likes, but a real opportunity to make an impact on people's health and mental health. And this was like the most exciting thing for me. So um, the reason I'm telling all of this as a background is because the next step is Okay, but I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. So, how on earth am I going to do this with credibility? And um, the answer to the question is I realized that um, it would take a while to bring this product to market, right? It was obvious to me if I wanted to create something really high quality that stood by my values and all of this stuff, it was sustainable, B Corporation, all of the things, um, then it was going to take time and patience. So, the most valuable thing that I could do in that time would be to tackle head-on the fact that I know that I get imposter syndrome, which, by the way, is also called imposter phenomenon. Um, and it's basically a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills or talents or accomplishments and has a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. That's basically what it is. So if you imagine going into this industry about the brain, about mental health, about neuroscience, um, I knew that I would suffer from imposter syndrome straight up. Um it, it's like an obvious conclusion to me, but I guess I'm also quite aware of my own mental health frailties. So the positive of that is I try to I try to tackle, okay, well, what are my strengths? My strengths are branding, storytelling, and 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 writing, really. So <clears throat> I decided what I would do as I was reading these science papers was you know, I identified lots of people say they love science and say they want to look, like read science papers and you know claim a lot of things, but ultimately not many people do. So I was like I think the most valuable thing I could do as I'm writing sorry, as I'm reading these science papers anyway is rewrite them in plain English in a super quick um, you know a super 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 quick um, uh, newsletter which I'd send out every um, Sunday, and it would essentially like set you up for the week, according to science, like these are the things that the science paper has said is good for your mental health or your mental performance this week. Um, I said to myself, you know, I'm never going to be a neuroscientist or a nutritionist at this point. I'm an entrepreneur, but in, and I did genuinely set myself this target. I said in a hundred weeks, if I've committed to the cadence of writing this newsletter for a hundred weeks in a hundred weeks, I will feel so much more comfortable about this, because I'll have spent 100 weeks reading science papers about the brain. And everything that I communicate and everything that I understand about the space that I'm in, won't just be someone's opinion. It'll be what science says is good for your brain and how to take care of it, which means that I'll have some really interesting expertise. And beyond all of that, you know, I'll have helped people communicate it really well. And the other thing is, Uh, There's a saying in neuroscience, which is that if you read something, you learn it once. But if you share it, you learn it twice because you create new neural pathways that essentially cement the knowledge inside your brain. So I was like, not only will I be sharing information out for other people and becoming a credible source of information that can help them. I will be personally learning more by the very notion of reading and rewriting it every week. And, you know, it's been just over two years now. So I think it's been about 108 newsletters. Um and I'm still not a neuroscientist or a nutritionist, but you know, I can safely say that I feel a lot more confident talking about what science says is good for your brain, um, just by the process that I've taken and how to tackle imposter syndrome head on.
1: And, and to be completely uh honest with you, you've probably read more papers than some neuroscientists. Oh, for out sure. There. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I noticed a couple of times when uh you addressed heights and spoke about yourself and brought your own experience into it. You use the phrase mental health very personally. Mm. Um, men don't like to use the word mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you're very comfortable with it. Why do you think that other men don't like using, even if they know they have insomnia and they know they have anxiety, they'll rather use those those branding words as opposed to Saying they have a mental health disorder. Why do you think that is?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I think that the, um, the truth the truth of the matter is, it, men like to be perceived as strong, and I think there is a great miscommunication in our education generally and in society about what strength looks like and in my experience the ability to be vulnerable in front of others and the ability to demonstrate that you're human and show weakness is a huge sign of strength just like um you know the this like notion of I think there's like a very famous saying, actually, I'm trying to trying to remember it. But it's something like, you know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the acknowledgement of fear and being able to act in its presence anyway. Um, You know, there's these very misconceived understandings of what macho is and what men are meant to do and their role in society. And I think it's brilliant that, you know, women are much more open people and they're much more um, empathetic with each other and obviously with their partners as well and they like to discuss their feelings and emotions because frankly um, they have more of a I don't know connection to the basic sense of what makes us human and for men you know we're told it's a lot of other things but ultimately you know every single person in the world has mental health like they have physical health some people have good mental health some people have bad mental health and some people you know it just depends what day it is you know we're all creatures that go through exactly the same range of emotions. And I think one of the things that has taken me a lot of time to do, um, you know, this isn't like an overnight thing. It's taken time, but it is just to confront my own mental health, my own securities and do it in public so that other people understand that, um, you know, they should feel free to do it as well. And I think especially in entrepreneurship and leadership, if you think about, um, you know, most people, in the world will be employed by a company, right? That's just a logical guess here. So if most people are employees at companies, that means that your workplace plays an enormous role in how we deal with mental health. So the thing that I'm really interested in is how we as leaders, as company owners and senior leaders inside companies can normalize the experience of mental health and make people feel comfortable about it. Because if you can do that, and if you can lead the path and say, hey, it's completely reasonable to do these things, you'll get more authentic um, communications and engagements with your team. And you'll make it you'll make them feel like they can be more themselves at work and, you know, admit that they're having a bad day and they need to take a day off because they feel like they're mentally unwell today, right? That happens with our physical health. If we get a cold or the flu, you know, we'll take time off. So similarly, if you wake up and your head is just spinning in a terrible place, it's not valuable for you to be at work that day. And the only way you get to a point where people feel comfortable at being honest about who they are as human beings, which is the same as everyone else, is to have founders like myself say that this is important and part of
1: how culture and companies should be growing. And hopefully
0: that will make an impact on the world.
1: I mean, you're you're certainly addressing um, a current you know, social issue in a different way than um, the current past generation did right i mean the old-timey ceos mm. of companies they whatever social issues were present it almost seemed like they they would sweep it under the rug um focus on the finances focus on the profit focus on you know uh doing well by their investors um where you and another fellow uh named simon sinek i don't know if yep. you're familiar with yeah I love um, simon sinek of course I would imagine because you you both speak Call with I that same. Yeah, is he? Uh, I didn't he know is, that. Yeah. Um, You both speak with that same passion for the person, right? Where you're both leaders in that sense, and y- y- you're willing to sit down with you know even the lowest of your community, your following, and say, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like you, uh, which is a different spin compared to like the Carnegies and the Fords of of our day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, um, you know, another person to bring up here, seeing as, especially as you mentioned, coach is uh, Bill Campbell, who was a very famous Silicon Valley coach, did, you know, the Google founders and all sorts of people, Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, his whole ethos was on your, you've got to care about the whole person. You know, that person outside of work has a family, has a wife, is going through stuff, his kids are going through school, her um you know grandma is is sick or healthy or whatever if you care about those things too you will always get more performance out of your team at work you just have to show that you really care you know people are humans not robots so uh, that really struck me as probably you know out of the whole book the single greatest lesson that I took from it it's called trillion dollar coach by the way um it's very good book but you know that was the thing that I took away from it and I'm very lucky because you know I I make a lot of time for myself to read um and I think it's incredibly important to filter the quality of your information at the top of the funnel down. Ultimately, that's what influences who you become and what you are. And um, you know, I try and always take away like one or two really key points from things that I'm learning, like that. And that that is one example of something I
1: learned really well. Yeah. Does it does it ever get tiring having to kind of explain this idea? Since you're you're essentially changing the 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 mindset and the feeling within a, in a space that is not geared for that
0: um no if i'm honest but maybe that's more about my personality um if there was no challenge i wouldn't enjoy it so if i tried to explain to someone that they should definitely take either heights or of course a much better diet in which case you don't need supplements or other supplements if you don't want to buy from heights for whatever reason but the importance of that, the impact of that on not just short term, but your long term brain health, like why it's so important to give your brain the right nutrition, especially as we live in a growing mental health epidemic. Um, you know, these things are, you know, you've got a particular, like, you know, business and market focused audience here, right? Like, you know, these are people trying to make smart decisions about what they do every day um, and manage their money well. And yet, um You know, the most important organ in their brain is something that is mostly an afterthought, right? People don't go and actively think about what decisions am I making today at the top of the whole entire funnel of how I make decisions in the first place, where I'm investing, where I'm choosing to spend my time. Those things all happen from your brain. And your brain literally is an energy source. It takes up 20. So it's about 3% of your body mass and takes up about 20% of your blood flow and energy. So it is your most energy intensive organ every single day. So if you're not feeding it, literally the nutrients, that biology and physics and everything says your brain needs to thrive, then it's very common that you might be underperforming in your thinking, in your clarity. You might be tired, not as energetic, all of these things, right? So I find it super motivating and exciting to try and explain this to people because beyond the fact that most people haven't really given it much thought or much consideration, um, every single person that disagrees with me is a great opportunity for me to refine my thinking, refine my argument, understand more about the other side, and ultimately be much more compelling the next time I have to speak to someone. So you know, it would probably not be much fun if uh, <laughs> if we just knocked it out of the park immediately. I mean, it'd be nice, sure. But I think there's something very motivating and exciting in introducing a category as important as this to the world, right? It's a really motivating feeling in my gut to say, you know, this is something that um, the world needs more of. And I'm one of the people lucky enough to convince smart people that this is important. Um Fortunately for us, you know, we've got some phenomenal, brilliant minds as our customers. Um, so, you know, we've convinced a lot of incredibly phenomenal, you know, entrepreneurs and actors and thinkers and, you know, people at the top of their game. You know, sports professionals, uh, you know, a whole bunch of these types that we've managed to convince to become not just our customers, but our fans, you know, our cheerleaders. So, um, If I'm honest, I think I'd be bored without the challenge.
1: (laughs) That's it for part one of my conversation with Dan Murray-Surter. If you're interested in learning more about the brain health and supplementation, be sure to check out the link in the description using the code MARKETADVENTURES to get $10 off your purchase. If you enjoyed this, I encourage you to come back tomorrow for part two where we discuss how to deal with burnout in business. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I've been your host, Alex Cunningham, and be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening today. And I encourage you to try my stock market course if you're looking for a way to get started in the markets. And remember, don't ask for security. Seek adventure.